0: Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Banking Podcast. Uh, We are here today with Eric Alexander from Six Arrows Consulting, um, talking about a little bit different, slightly different topic than what we normally do on the podcast, but uh, it has a lot to do with what motivates us uh, as community bankers. So Eric and I have had some good conversations around this, and I thought it was good to uh, to share it with you. So Eric, uh, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about Six Arrows Consulting.
1: Great. Thanks, Byron. Grateful to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, and this is exciting. So a little bit about myself, um, Texas boy, wife, and I married – Coming up on 42 years, six grown sons—that's where the name Six Arrows comes from. Uh, all grown, married. They've got—we've got a bevy of grandbabies. <laughs> so that's cool, important stuff in my life. And I've been blessed to have a a fun, fulfilling vocation around financial leadership. With the most recent chapter of that being community banking. There's a a bank in Texas acquired last year that I was at for near about 10 years. CFO for the last eight of that. Happy State Bank. Uh, ended its run at about six billion dollars when it was acquired year ago spring and that made me redundant in that transaction which was fine because it gave me an opportunity to come back and and serve folks in a different way so what i'm doing at six arrows consulting is focusing on coaching and advisory services helping leaders navigate change Uh, community bank focus some clients outside that but I'm having a blast and the topic today I'm pretty passionate about related to what I'm doing now but also reflecting back on uh, what I've been doing over 35 years of financial management.
0: Yeah and I think uh, go ahead and I guess unveil because it's i am it's in the title, but kind of talk about it. We, I think, some conversations we had around some of the programming we're gonna uh, we're gonna do together. Uh, this concept of stewardship came came up, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, you and I come from a, a similar faith background, and so there's a connotation there with 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 stewardship that we understand. Um, but some people from other faith backgrounds or, or bring to it different. Uh, th- th- there can be different perceptions of of that word but I think if we talked about it I think we all kind of have in the banking context I think we all kind of have a very similar uh understanding of it and I think it really is going to speak to what uh what we love about uh what so many bankers that we know uh love about community banking so let's yeah, you know, let's kind of frame the conversation here, Eric. What uh, what is stewardship? What do you What do you when when you think about that? What do you think about?
1: So that's uh, I'll give you my definition, and I think I think you're right when you talk about it being important for our motivation. Uh, that'll become a little more apparent as we go through the conversation. And I didn't go to Webster and look this up. Uh, I just uh, I have a kind of a perspective on stewardship so here's roughly how i define it it's it's a combination of accountability responsibility and trust mm. uh, we'll flesh that out a little bit as we go but as i was thinking about that it, uh, this incident came to mind from when i was a high schooler byron you don't mind if i go back and no, revisit no. a little bit of ancient ancient history okay <laughs> no you're good <laughs> so here i was this i was 16 year old years old live here in the texas panhandle so it's an agricultural part of the state and i was working for a seed company and after school job and had responsibilities in the office in the warehouse they'd have me out doing stuff in the seed silos this and that but i remember one day the boss handed me keys to the company's beat up old brown panel van and said i need you to take barrels of trash." out to the city dump and go dump them in there at the incinerator okay right that's my example of stewardship and we'll elaborate on some of that but it it has those key elements in there Uh, i was accountable to somebody the supervisor his name was bear so i was accountable to bear
0: I something. love that. We should all have, we should have more supervisors named Bear. I love what's that. Funny, what's funny, he was a big old bear of a man. Yeah.
1: But very, very gracious and tenderhearted. So yeah. the, the nickname was almost a joke. But right. anyway, it's kind of like some friends I have who are named Curly. <laughs> anyway, so as a, in that instance, there's that 16-year-old handed the keys of the company van. He was asking me to be a steward. He didn't mm. say that. Uh, but I was accountable to bear. I was accountable to the company. Something had been uh, entrusted to my responsibility and it was the van. It was the company's reputation. Uh, It's the company's liability. If I wasn't a safe driver and you know, the stuff in the back wasn't really valuable. That's why I was taking it to the dump to get rid of it, but something had been entrusted to my responsibility and all of that. And here's a key, key piece of what I think is part of the stewardship. Is it wasn't primarily for my benefit, right? I was entrusted with something, accountable to someone, responsible for something, primarily for somebody else's benefit. Now I got a benefit out of it. This is back when minimum wage was I don't know maybe three and a quarter, so I was getting paid, right? And it was also kind of cool to drive around town in the van till we got up close to the dump. But those are the key elements. Um, here, here's another. Here's another that might resonate with people from their teenage years or early 20s. A lot of people probably did some babysitting for people along the way. Yeah. Dang it. That is a stewardship opportunity. Yeah. That's a stewardship responsibility. And I see that clearly, particularly when we had young parents. When we were young parents and had young kids, and I was hiring a babysitter, you know, I was the one entrusting. And trusting she was going to be responsible with their safety, uh, all that stuff, and not not just be hanging out on the phone. This was back when all the phones were still connected to the wall. Not right. standing on the front porch, flirting with the cute guy across the street, but taking care of business, accountable for something, and it wasn't primarily for her, for her benefit. So yeah. those, those were two pictures that kind of helped me think about it. In the work world, uh, I've had another – instance with a different term, uh, sometimes when you think about stewardship, uh, a synonym that can come to mind is fiduciary. Right. In my two most recent roles, okay, I'm not in the bank anymore. I was at the bank until it was acquired. And previous to that, I was in a CFO role for a trucking company. In both places, we had retirement plans that included employee stock. And in both places, I had an opportunity to serve in a fiduciary role. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that's the same kind of thing. Accountability, responsibility, something's entrusted to my care that's not primarily for my own benefit. And that's a case where that last element was really dramatic and supported by statute. Uh, When it came to decisions, okay, let me just back up and think about a uh, uh, retirement plan. I had my funds in there. What we did as a plan had effects on the company. And as CFO, I had opinions about the effects on the company. But federal law required me as a fiduciary to put the participants' interests above the companies, above my own, and do that in every case. Mm. So that's, that's kind of narrow and technical, but it definitely reflects in that aspect of it an important part about stewardship.
0: No, I think you're right. And I think the – uh the uh the, the the well all the illustrations i think are very good uh but that idea of managing the retirement plan when your money is is in there um you know it's it what you have to do as a steward as a fiduciary may not be in your best personal interest you have to counter that right uh you have to counter that natural streak that i mean you're a nice guy and i'm a nice guy but we've all got you know we we can all get motivated by pre by by pride and greed you have Mm -hmm. to counter that natural inclination to do what is best for you versus what you're supposed to be doing and doing what's best for the participants and things like that 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 i think sometimes in in our role sometimes gets passed over or just kind of Mm -hmm. Passed over, you know, doing the best thing in the shareholders' interest, or doing the best thing in the stakeholders' interest. Right. I don't know if we really slow down and think about that. And I wanted that kind of takes me to the next question I wanted to ask you okay. about. Yes, yeah, I go ahead. Yeah. One, one more comment on
1: that. As a participant, when I'm having to put the participant's interests first, that those didn't come into conflict very often. Mm-hmm. Where it did have potential for tension and sometimes conflict was a little bit more on the company side because when mm-hmm. you're talking about one of the investments in the employee stock ownership plan that's associated with the 401k being company stock there were decisions we had to make if we go A that's better for the company if we go B that's better for the participants we always had to do B
0: right.
1: um, and that that's not always easy to do it's not mm-hmm. always easy to communicate, um, but that that's an important part of it.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, from your role as a CFO, I think there's, you know, to the, to the next question we wanted to discuss was how this idea of stewardship and servant mm-hmm. leadership intertwine. Um, you know, can you speak to that, particularly from your role for, uh, in the C-suite? Sure. So stu- servant leadership.
1: I believe in it. It's important. Uh, I've got my own perspective on what that means, and I I believe they're they're definitely related. I do hear servant leadership talked about more. So let me let me just explore them uh, a little bit. Again, this is all my perspective. Sure. When I think about servant leadership, what I'm thinking about is that a tendency to focus on a leader and a servant-hearted approach to my leadership of my folks. Now, if I pause for a minute and back up and think about my definition of stewardship, well, that's a reflection of stewardship. It's just yeah. kind of narrow because it's focusing on me as a leader, and there are situations where I can be a steward and I'm not a leader, and it's focusing on my relationship with my folks. Well, as a leader, that's something that, that's entrusted to me. I just think stewardship maybe shares the servant leadership ethos, but is a broader application of the principle because there are other things we're responsible for and accountable for. And there are people who aren't in positional leadership positions who are still functioning very powerfully as stewards. So related, but I think stewardship's broader.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think you said it well with part of the the ethos of it or, or sort of the One of the lenses and one of the filters that we put our decision making through uh, as 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 leaders and as people who kind of view their role as, as stewards um it, it's sort of just one of the governing principles mm-hmm. that we and you mentioned it perfectly well with the uh with the uh the, the retirement plan of that we have to the the issue comes good bad or otherwise but the, the the decision has to be made well the decision's really already made despite what you want i mean that's it's mm-hmm. you've got to do what's best and Um, you know, I think by now the listeners are already starting to see where this is going with (laughs) banking. Um, and and, but it's like I tell my students in in, uh, the undergraduate banking class, and I try to reiterate to them what it is we do. And you know, I said, We people entrust, you know, grandma and grandpa Jones, and you know, and the people entrust us with their blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. as represented largely by their large part by their paychecks by their right. by their business deposits what is earning their living That's what's right. keeping the people what's keeping the community going in terms mm-hmm. of the money and the financial intermediation we could talk about the spreads and all that but at the end of the day it is a quantifiable trust placed in the bank. Yes. And when you look at it like that, it's kind of scary when you think about it, you know?
1: Well, it's sobering and really serious. And uh, I appreciate you stealing a lot of my talking points, but I'm sorry. It's <laughs> fine. We'll elaborate them on, on them yeah. here in a minute. But yeah, it. Uh, it also brings to mind something that was really important for me to be reminded of. Okay, as a finance guy, as an analytical guy, accounting background, your green eye shade, counting the beans, doing all the stuff, nickname at the bank, being this the stinking accountant, whatever. <laughs> it was important for me to back up and remember, as I'm looking at the balance sheet, as I'm looking at the income statement of the bank, on the other side of every number, there's a person. Mm. And you brought up deposits. I mean, that's clear, but it's so easy to lose sight of that. And so part of the stewardship is paying attention to, who is that person and how am I serving that person? So glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah. I, 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 for me, it was, um, for me in in my journey, it was the, you know, just again, kind of having grown up in and around a bank all my life, uh, which is probably why I'm half crazy. But, uh, it's, you know, when, when you start as, you know, working a teller line and you start work, you know, doing, uh, social security checks and mm-hmm. you know i was a teller when they started doing direct deposits on social security checks and you talk about needing to be front line helping you know helping grandmas and grandpas uh, and and the disabled that that were scared Um uh, mm-hmm. again i as a kid a relative kid i knew that the ach was going to be fine Every you know money was going to be there I, I get all that and everybody else at the bank did too, but Grandma and Grandpa didn't. They were scared of that because they'd been having that check right. all their life. And for the teller, and I'm again having been one, those matters become so routine, it's easy to mm-hmm. miss the the personal mm-hmm. side of that. And I don't know. I just that, that, those are one of those things that I I thought through that number. I was like, you know, that's a pretty cool thing about banking is we can. Mm-hmm. Can do that
1: well, that's that's a good way to put it. You started talking about motivation, this is a sobering thing, but it's also motivating in the sense of this is significant, yeah. And people are entrusting us with things that are significant to them. So, when we serve them, okay, back to the servant piece of it when yeah. we're serving them by being good stewards, we are really adding value. There are times it seems menial, you know, whatever, but we are. Truly, as bankers, really adding value. Now, just true confession, too, I've got the highest respect for tellers. I was a teller school dropout when I was at the bank. (laughs) I didn't come from a multi-decade background of banking. I came from another industry and said, I want to understand this a little bit better and went through the teller training and missed the last day. So they harassed me for years about being their dropout.
0: I, I know some teller supervisors in the, in the legacy union planners bank that would probably wished I had dropped out. <laughs> uh, I can, I can, I can imagine, I can imagine that. Yeah. And, and you know, it's um, I think we talked about this when we were talking about, uh, about some other things that we're going to be doing uh, in the future. You know, we um, it, it hit home with me. I forget the, the, the setup and it was, something so menial i mean it was something I, a, a question on a fee or question on a cd or a rate change or why something you know something like that and she, the the customer came into my office and uh for something else and i asked i happened to ask her i said well did you get that issue issue cleared up uh you know asking just something about that and she's she told me, she said, "Yeah, I talked to my banker, uh, and then named the teller's name, and it was the teller who, I, you know, I, again, I am one, and I'm a staunch advocate for for tellers. But they, and those that are listening, that will, I, I hope, will agree with me, they can be some of the most overlooked bankers and the people That's in right. the bank, and you know, but to that customer, she mm-hmm. wasn't trusted me. Mm-hmm. He didn't give That's a." Right about what i said that teller was her banker and she'd already told her it was good and when you think about it from the role of stewardly a servant leadership and steward you know we can talk about the balance sheet we can talk about the the funds and um and things like that but those are uh, you know we have Mm -hmm. that role to serve them and we are managing again from the stewardship like what we would talk about in our in our faith uh, and we're managing those funds right Yep. You know, it's more than just managing a hedge fund. It's, it, it is, we are managing the funds of people that have put their trust in us. And it's a sobering task, like you said.
1: And it, it, I would assert that in a hedge fund, you've got the same dynamics. You may just have more layers where you are a little farther removed from the people. But I want to talk about tellers a little bit later. Um, sure. Because this, this, our topic is significant for that role.
0: Yeah. I, um uh... I've got a tremendous amount of respect for them and the retail um, because I think they see the uh, they see the uh, the the daily on that mm-hmm. they live and breathe the stewardship and yes uh, the servant leadership role even if they don't have the 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 title. But I also challenge then management, mm-hmm. middle and upper middle and upper to uh, you know instill that. Talking on what we're talking about, instilling that in their culture. I'm not going to say it's the panacea for all cultural issues, but I bet it goes a long way to fixing a whole lot of the cultural issues when you shift your focus.
1: I think it, it's definitely part of the mix. Maybe it's not articulated, and I think that articulating it can help. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's part of the reason to have the discussion today. Bring it to the surface and not make it implicit.
0: In your in in your past, um, we're kind of going off the the questions here, and I I, I know you don't mind, but uh, what is what are some ways that manage mm-hmm. middle management, upper management? What are some things they can do? You know, uh, uh, daily stuff. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. thing to put a quote on a banner and stick it in the break room, which is fine, but mm-hmm. what are some of the daily things that that they can do to help steer this?
1: in a way i think that's that's similar to any of those vital areas of focus we've got to maintain before us as leaders at all times um you know there's a there's kind of a threshold of everybody this has to be important to everybody yeah ethical behavior honest behavior so forth uh and then there's whatever is the the culture and important to you as a bank, um, any of those kinds of things, whatever we can do. uh, So I've been, okay, we laugh about stuff on the wall. And I think that's right. There's a whole lot of stuff on the wall that we just ignore. If it's just on the wall and not part of our conversations and not embodied in how we go about our work. So I, I was fortunate to be in a bank where we were passionate about our culture has a strong culture, and we talked about it. Mm. And how does how do these cultural aspects need to show up in our business? We're making a decision. How does the culture play into this? Uh, and we can get pushback periodically. Okay, as a manager, as executive, well, I'm thinking we need to do this. Well, Eric, have you thought about this part of our culture and how that plays into it? I I would say making stewardship part of that conversation, that general reminder is it's one, one more of those vital things to have front of mind mm. um, because it does call how we think about our work colors, how we conduct our work.
0: That is, I think one of the, uh, Oh, there's, there, there's so many life lessons in that, yeah. uh, in, in that statement area. And I would too would challenge, um, I I think we everybody would agree that, that that it needs to be something from from management as part of the culture. But even look, even if you're a department of one, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a teller supervisor, if you're the assistant branch manager in charge of you know uh, safe deposit box audits, um, you know whatever it might be, taking that approach as a stewardship and knowing you know, know knowing how your role fits into the machine. And Mm -hmm. I think that is understanding that from a stewardship perspective. That's just good for everybody.
1: Well, I think there's also maybe a way we, if we go back and look at my definition where it's including accountability, responsibility related to something that's been entrusted to me. Well, I can go back and look at each of those as it relates to my responsibilities. What does it mean for me to be responsible? How can I foster accountability and not just squirm because it makes me uncomfortable, but it's, but it's important. Accountability is important. How can I foster that? How can I embrace it in a healthy way? Mm. How can I build trust? I mean, that's huge because somebody's trusting me. How can I enhance that trust relationship? My competence, my character, how I carry through. So maybe we disaggregate a little bit too and say, well, let's work on the components and do those well. And along the way,
0: that's part of us being really good stewards i think too down that down that road you know treating and you hear this a lot in sales training and and retail training and things like that but i think it's so true um you know treating every customer as if they were your grandmother or your father or Mm -hmm. your brother or something like that it was uh Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of reson. you, you hear that a lot um, but one of the things that motivated me was my little grandma. <laughs> yeah, I, I talk about you know my banking background and with my dad being a uh, with a banker, but he really was a farmer before. And my my grandmother, his mom, oh, she stood you know four two you know four <laughs> eleven. Maybe, In heels. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe weighed a buck ten. So you know, um the sweetest lady on earth. Well, and, you know, she just was, she grew up in a generation that, you know, the the wife didn't do a whole lot of the banking, which means, of course, my grandfather died first. And, uh, you know, so she was kind of left to fend for herself. But it was one of the bankers in town. It ended up kind of oddly enough, I ended up working for the same bank and sat in this gentleman's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, he she would go to one banker in town. To help balance her checkbook. Now, Mm -hmm. we all know that the banks don't balance checkbooks. And if we do have to start doing that, there's fees and whatnot to heck with that. He, uh, he, um, uh, would work with my work with my grandmother and balance her in her check. She actually even found, she's the only person i have known to ever do this. She actually found a mistake in the bank system, <laughs> uh, that, uh, uh, something that had been encoded wrong. She's the only, she's the only one I know to, to fix that, to find that. But hmm. she, uh, I thought, I, I thought about that when I would get, uh, trade hit and real estate mortgages were just a pain in the you know uh but when memo went into uh mr billy's office that was he she took Mm -hmm. care of him and i always think about that of that's somebody else's grandmother and i always Mm -hmm. i was always grateful for mr billy for taking care of memo Mm -hmm. and uh so that person on the other end may not be my grandma
1: but it's somebody's grandma it's somebody's memo (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, i just you know you, you approach it with that and and i know I know, you know, you, you hear that in pet meetings and stuff like that, and it's easy to kind of roll your eyes and say, yeah, okay. I really try it, though. Really, mm-hmm. really try it, mm-hmm. and it does sort of change your perspective it on, does on this, on this. Well, I think, Eric, we can uh, probably do a whole – bunch of podcasts around every little topic we've talked about here but we I, quite frankly probably will come back to the well on this one with you it's it's a big passionate topic with both of us but um i guess in the interest of time and succinctness why don't we uh wrap it up here tell us uh tell us a little bit how you know what you have coming up and how folks can get in touch with uh with you and six arrows
1: sure easiest way to get in touch with me with six arrows is website uh, it's you can track me down there and it's six spelled out arrows consulting no de- no spacess.com cool. and you can find me there and again there's part of what I'm doing is these kinds of discussions um, and grateful for opportunities to be helping folks with with leadership and navigating changes so,
0: Yeah, and we're
1: this time. Thanks. Thanks for letting me join you for podcast.
0: Oh, man, anytime. No, I I will say we are going to by the time this airs, we'll probably have announced some of it. But we uh, Eric is going to be coming back. Uh, with us to do some uh, some webinars and some of the uh, some of the other big uh, programming that we've got coming up. So we'll we'll definitely be hearing from Eric a good bit in the Barrett atmosphere or ecosystem. So stick <laughs> around and find out about him. I think you're going to find him to be a very interesting and, and good guy to talk to. So Eric, thanks uh, again.
1: Thank uh, you, Garvin.
0: Looking forward to doing some more stuff with you. Awesome. Very good. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship. And if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.